Please spread the word about my shows. I'm an independent creator and I would really appreciate it. I make K-pop guides, as well as I have exclusive interviews with songwriters, journalists, the artists themselves, best new music roundup episodes, artist-specific deep dive episodes, episodes about the history of K-pop, all sorts of content is covered. So to get your fill and support an independent creator, please check out 17 Karat K-pop wherever you get your podcasts, and view an episode guide at howtostand.substack.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to 17 Karat K-pop. There is so, so much news to get to today. As usual, I don't like long intros, and we're just going to dive right in to the first big news story. NCT's Jeno became the first K-pop star to ever, ever open up a New York Fashion Week runway show. Really cool to see because not just is it huge for NCT and the world of K-pop, but that the creator Peter Doe is a genuine SM Entertainment stan. When talking about his decision, that it was a natural choice, as he said, to have Jenna open the show, he reflected on memories of listening to Girls' Generation on the school bus. He also said his crew was, when building studio furniture, listening to Red Velvet on loop. I just thought that was so cool. So he's a genuine SM stan who wanted to work with Jenna. It's not like a clout-chasing thing. So Jenna opened the September 13th showing of the spring-summer 2023 show. That's how Fashion Weeks work. It's really weird, but the fall-winter of the next year is what you see at Fashion Week. Anyway, also notable that he is the same person who designed Johnny's look for the Met Gala. Jenna also got to attend the major A-list party, Vogue World, celebrating 130 years of Vogue. Other K-pop artists really brought the style A-game this year, Mean of Miss A, as well as other musical co-stars for that K-pop Broadway show, plus some SM rookies who were just, wow, are they gorgeous. DK from Icon walked the runway, Holland was in the front row, Sulgi was there, Dayan from Twice, really incredible stuff. It's about time K-pop took over Fashion Week. Next up, make it a K-pop concert meets fashion show, like a Moschino or something really, really eye-catching. That's an idea. Or film a K-pop video live during the show. Now let's talk about, outside of the U.S., how K-pop is really everywhere right now. A global hall youth fest, as it's called, is coming to Uzbekistan. The small lineup includes boy band Fable, Ailey, and Kai. The Rolling Loud Fest is going to hit Thailand this year, headliner B.I. Intriguingly, K-Con is now coming to Saudi Arabia. We talked about, actually, in some early 2020 episodes of this show, Saudi Arabia's plans, this Mission 2030, they call it, which I thought might have been put on hold or pushed back because of the pandemic, but maybe not. This aggressive push to stop relying on oil and stuff, so they want their population to spend more, have an economy focus more than it used to be on pop culture. Due to their 2030 goals, economically, their direction right now, it makes sense that they would be open to KCON saying, hey, can we have KCON there? It'll be very interesting what the reception is. Back in the States, there are more KCON copycats of sorts, including Camp, set for mid-October, Camp K-A-M-P. Jam-packed lineup for this convention concert hybrid, including Kai, Lapalus, Super Junior, Taeyeon, Espa, Epic High, Jun Somi, Monsta X. Filipino boy band SB19 are coming to the U.S. They're stopping in New York November 5th and L.A. the 12th. By the way, their new song, Where You At, really catchy and simultaneously reminds me of like 10 different boy bands at once. Very good thing. 
big, big moment for economics nerds. The New York Stock Exchange is now allowing USA fans to own stock in overseas companies, in K-pop companies. At the end of August, this ETF service launched. ETF meaning basically similar to trading an individual stock. You can trade an ETF. You can buy foreign stocks in an overseas stock exchange. That's what this new option allows for. A lot of K-pop companies are involved. SM, YG, JYP, HYBE, CJENM. None are monopolizing the market yet, though. None of them own more than 10% of the ETFs as of now. This will probably become a more normalized thing than you think to trade stocks in these companies. South Korea is actually going on almost a decade now of being in the top 10 of those of the biggest music markets in the world. So Hyun from Girls' Generation is set to host the FACT Music Awards October 8th alongside June Hyun Moon. Another quick live music update. The Brooklyn Barclays Center Meta Moon Fest with a stacked lineup of different Asian artists. They just added Amber Lou to their lineup. That event is November 26th. Let's talk about Seventeen. The latest news from them includes, first of all, a really dramatic new episode of Going Seventeen with that whole mystery case. Plus, they released the new eye contact version of the Underscore World video. Remember, whenever a round of comeback promotions ends, the rounds of other YouTube content to watch still happening. Always something to look out for with Seventeen on YouTube. And they'll be back in promo mode before you know it, because they recently announced their new Japanese EP, Dream, is coming November 9th. It will include a holiday remix of Darling, the new song Dream, and Japanese versions of Rock With You and All My Love. And more new music on the way from June. His solo Limbo is out as of recording time tomorrow, September 23rd. So, so excited for that. We'll have much more to say about that on an upcoming episode. In other solo news, Mingyu has this new El Korea pictorial that is just top tier. There's a new interesting Weavers piece detailing the care and consideration that went into creating the Be the Sun North American tour. And some really standout notable details they brought up include that Jun Han requested angel wings be drawn on his white cast. He also wanted his cast to come in different colors. I wonder if he asked for the angel wing drawing as a nod to the Adore You video. Either way, very sweet. The stylist really did work well with him, constantly trying to alter their ideas for his stage outfits to accommodate his cast. Woozy actually had a hand in picking the vocal team's outfits. He said he wanted to make the members look like this starry night sky on stage. Yeah, they really are paying attention to every little detail. That's what brings their shows to life in such a next-level way. The hip-hop team was very insistent. Although they debated which songs to perform, they had to perform Back It Up. And after seeing it live, I totally agree. The vocal team recommended for their performance that space will be made during the songs for fans to be the focus and sing along with them. The performance unit really worked extra hard on a wave. Extra early in the mornings, they would be there rehearsing the wave routine. No wonder they nailed it so much. Not even just the choreography, but the immersion in these catwalk-ready personas. All the posing they did, so top tier. And they also confirmed, yeah, they do try to immerse themselves in these characters. They are intentionally quite theatrical. These scripted sketches they do during their shows, the interactive elements that keep the crowd a part of the show, the ways they, yeah, put on a show. 
play characters, use props and settings. It's very, very theatrical. And that's all very intentional. They view it as a key part of the show. It wouldn't be a Seventeen show without certain sketches and stuff. Last bit of Seventeen news. They are set to perform at the LA3C Music and Culture Fest alongside Megan Thee Stallion, Maluma, and Snoop Dogg. How about a dog and tiger-themed goofy song? Should I regret speaking that into existence or proud of myself for it? Anyway, this performance will be December 10th and 11th at LA State Historic Park, and tickets are on sale now at la3c.com. All right, more gossipy, dramatic stuff now. Starting with rumors about Lee Soo Man leaving SM Entertainment. Lee Soo Man, who runs SM Entertainment, also runs this production company, Like Planning. I'm going to call it LP for the rest of this story. LP is responsible for production. So they're like the company, the music company SM is outsourcing to, is paying to take that part of the responsibility. So SM, his company, is paying for services LP, his company. So there were ethical concerns with this arrangement, like he's basically paying himself by starting his own second company. Back in April 2018, Asia Economy Daily reported that SM had paid over $9 million to LP for the past two consecutive years. That report really raised eyebrows, as did the report about payments to LP were increasing every year since 2014. Basically, if you want to get into economic jargon, this is viewed as maybe akin to a shell company or insider trading, kind of loosely, not exactly, but those are the best terms I could think of to summarize the allegation of this arrangement. The response to these allegations from SM said, quote, We have transparently announced the contract and transactions. We thoroughly examined precedents made with similar global businesses regarding obtaining consultation by a professional third-party organization and sign a contract that was reasonable in comparison, unquote. Concerns about SM aligning LP's pockets were raised again in 2019. And again, they're like, we verified this arrangement is fine. A third party looked into it. Legally, we're in the clear. The lingering concern, I guess, came from shareholders hoping, hey, we would love to push for a merger. Get these allegations away. Put them to bed by just merging. So instead of paying this separate company, merge with LP. So SM and LP, their connection is very, very obvious and not kind of just speculative. And SM Entertainment's insistence on not merging with LP, which would also require taking on LP's expenses, not just their profits, that got shareholders a bit upset. A shareholder named KB Asset Management in June 2019 sent a letter to SM urging this merger to happen and proposing a plan for it involving a restructuring of the sectors of the company currently incurring losses, as well as a dividend payout ratio of 30%. This was in early June. Then SM replied to the letter late July 2019, which is interesting. I guess they were weighing their options for a while. This story is back because a mid-September report claimed that the company LP is planning to end its production contract with SM at the end of 2022. Just in the first half of this year, LP received over $8 million in transactions with SM. And it's hard because some numbers are not public, so it's hard to verify. But one reported estimate of just over time, the total amount LP has gotten from this arrangement is well over $100 million. 
This total separation, the opposite of a merger really, is what has people thinking he will technically no longer work at SM and will instead just totally focus on being in charge of LP rather than vice versa. Maybe LP brings in less profits than SM, but less expenses too, so that may be a factor there. SM Entertainment's response includes saying that, quote, we have asked producer Lee, who has consistently requested an early termination of the contract for the past several years, that he remains with the company until the pre-debut teams and other acts who have their debuts coming up soon settle into their right track. The company plans to discuss the matter deeply with the related parties of interest and announce our decision in the coming days, unquote. As of recording time, that decision has not been announced. But again, keep in mind, last time they responded over a month after a report like this came out. So they take their time responding. But it is interesting that they say, for the past few years now, which have been the time period of these allegations coming up again and again, of a potentially unethical business arrangement, that he's apparently been trying to leave his contract, but has been requested by people within SM, I guess, to stay on, at least until the current batch of SM rookies make their debuts and he feels like he can send them off. Kind of like an empty nester situation, waiting for his empty nest days, where the rookies he has been training, preparing for music careers are good to go. That may be another reason too, not just financial, but a different reason why he would pick LP over SM if he has to choose, because he may just want the change. He's done what he had to do and may feel satisfied with his work shaping SM and is now ready to go shape LP. SM has also, amidst all this, signed an agreement to use their intellectual property with Everland Amusement Park. The EverSM Town sector of the park is coming October 14th. Few details are public as of recording time, but we do know the bumper cars will be decked out with an NCT 127 Two Baddies theme, and that there will be some AR digital tech involved in this part of the park. Honestly, it's about time. Ever since the Reve Festival started for Red Velvet, I've been thinking, why is this whole Quanya not the theme of an amusement park yet? So hopefully this is just the start of a bigger and bigger thing. Switching gears to talk about a story from P Nation. A worker died on the job at the end of July. This is a really tragic story from July 30th. A P Nation staffer working on the Summer Swag Festival, a man in his 20s, was constructing size performance stage and fell off the set and died from the fall. The Labor Ministry raided P Nation's offices August 25th, nearly a full month later, which made people speculate there's a lawsuit involved, a criminal investigation into his death. The Industrial Safety and Health Act prohibits working in conditions that are dangerous under certain weather, which could have been the case on this day. The event was also under fire for a separate reason. At Summer Swag, performers were throwing a lot of water in the crowds amid a drought South Korea faced this summer, as did a lot of the world, really. What's really interesting is that apparently Psy only owns 60% of P Nation and is not necessarily in legal jeopardy himself. He's not liable here. Because a mystery investor is the actual head of the agency who would face legal jeopardy in this specific case. In more live event updates, some big new renovations are coming to the Crypto Arena. This is where KCON's concert was this year, as well as where NCT127 is going on their USA tour, their world tour stopping in two places in the USA, one of which is not Chicago. Yes, I'm bitter about it. 
August 22nd, AEG, owner of the Crypto Arena, revealed a nine-figure investment in upgrading both Crypto Arena and the neighboring venue, the Xbox Plaza. Apparently, these renovations have already started and are set to finish by the fall of 2024. The venue itself is only 23 years old, but they're already refurbishing it in a way that's very, very phased and gradual, so no impact on hours of operations or anything like that. Kelly Cheeseman, the AEG Sports Chief Operating Officer, said in a statement, quote, This comprehensive and wide-ranging project is the most significant reimagining of our home in the history of our arena. When completed, we will have worked from floor to ceiling to enhance every fan's overall experience, unquote. The crypto arena changes will include this reimagined City View Terrace, as well as a multi-level tunnel club, they're calling it, with new VIP hospitality spaces. They're also planning a reimagined chairman's club, two new indoor LED screens, a renovated main level restaurant, a quote-unquote refresh of the entrances to the place, whatever that means, new main concourse suites, and new food options. Meanwhile, the Xbox Plaza, those renovations will not be so much about services and design as just structurally decreasing the amount of car traffic and crowding that could happen outside the venue. Honestly, I'm very surprised because I was at the Crypto Arena full review on Substack in a previous episode, my usual shameless plug there, and I thought the venue was incredible. It's already really nice. It's got a cool design. It's got some cool, sweet style of viewing for some. I don't know how much this is necessary, but I'm just kind of a a cheapskate sometimes, so I would just invest that kind of money elsewhere, if you ask me, but whatever. It will be very interesting to see how noticeable or not the gradual changes to the venue will be. Speaking of VIP special concert experiences, we've got to talk about Blackpink's VIP packages, because these prices have me questioning a lot. They have three versions of the VIP package for the upcoming tour, the Blink Plus experience, the Blink Deluxe experience, and the Ultimate Born Pink experience. The Ultimate experience is $1,250. It gives you obviously good seating, soundcheck access, commemorative merch, early check-in, uncrowded merch buying, access to the send-off event, access to a VIP lounge during the show, free parking, and a photo op on stage. So I have two main questions. One is the vague wording of photo op on stage. They don't clarify if that means, yeah, a photo op with Blackpink on stage, or just a chance to take a photo on the stage. Because if that wording is intentionally deceptive and someone buys this VIP thing thinking they're going to take a pic with Blackpink, and they meant, no, we just literally meant you can come on the stage to take a picture, I would want my money back. Second question I have is, why the big difference in Blink Plus versus the Blink Deluxe experience? They offer the same benefits, premium seating, soundcheck access, commemorative gift. The only difference is the Deluxe gets you a crowd-free early merch shopping opportunity. And yet the Blink Plus is $350, Blink Deluxe is $500. Why is it a $150 difference whether or not you can buy merch ahead of the other group? It just seems like the disparity is very questionable. 
But what do you think is a decent price? What is your thought about what the VIP package should include for $1,250 worth? That's my question of the day that I will leave in the question box. You can actually answer directly into Spotify if that's where you're listening. Another Blackpink news, Lisa's Money is certified platinum. She's also part of the A-list cast in a new film for Bulgari called Inside the Dream. Blackpink are now the first artist in history to surpass 80 million YouTube subscribers. They are also now the first female act in Hanteo chart history to surpass a million album sales in the first day. Born Pink sold 1.2 million in day one. They are now the first Korean act and girl group to ever have more than one song top the global Spotify chart. Pink Venom surpassed 100 million streams in record time, 17 days. Then it surpassed 300 million, becoming the fastest release from 2022 to do so. And lastly, an oldie but a goodie, the video for Whistle surpassed 800 million views. Speaking of girl group updates, I want to talk about Luna for a second. It's such a perfect lesson of careful what you wish for. Coming from such a small underdog company, even if their music was trash and not treasure, frankly, I would still want to support this company and their artists. Really admirable company that I want to support. And they're the type of company that really just deserves more funding and financial opportunities to have more frequent comebacks, to make more videos, release more music, perform more live shows. Careful what you wish for, because the past year or so, they have been touring. They've been going on their world tour. They were big at KCON events. They've had a jam-packed promo schedule. Yet now it's the other extreme where now I'm worried they're working too much and got too much on their plate. Because Eve set out the Amsterdam concert citing health issues. Cherry has been setting out European tour dates due to health issues. Hasul is due to an injury. It feels like they're all at a breaking point and I want them to have a break, but I'm also so excited they finally have some momentum they deserve. So it's hard because the music industry moves so fast, I get the push the company feels, the pressure to keep them in the public attention span, keep them out there promoting right now, using this momentum instead of retreating from it. But they really need a break too. I also just really miss my biased Chew. She released a new song, One and a Half. Go stream it, by the way. She also has that collab with B.I. She's released some solo stuff. Where's the promo for that? I just think she deserves so much more love. Wish she could have gone to KCON. Wish they could have arranged for whatever scheduling conflicts they cited. Worked around those to help her do the events. Maybe a short-term solution is just keep the promo schedule busy, but have different subunits, different parts of the group promote, like rotating members or something. So Chu could still be involved when her schedule allows it. The members with injuries could be involved after healing. There's just something's got to give here. Something's got to change. So they have all the promo they deserve, but time to rest too, and that Chu gets her due support. Now for a completely different story. Kaiko Entertainment is working on an AI-based singing competition show. It's called VIP 30, where contestants will compete to join a K-pop girl group virtually. So real people will audition, but hidden as avatars when they do. There's a very similar show in the USA right now format-wise, but this one's for South Korea that does allow people with stage fright to still audition basically for these shows, gives them an opportunity to come out of their shell slower but still surely by introducing themselves on these shows to the world as a digital alter ego. It's also kind of like The Voice in the way that it tries to get at the talent being more important than appearance. They focus on your talent, not what you really look like. 
This will be historic, being the first time 30 different virtual idols take part in a K-pop group performance, and it will be carried out with a lot of motion capture and VR tech. This will be a cool tie-in to the SM Entertainment theme park story. You know at Universal, I believe, there's a park in the USA where you can participate in the American Idol experience. Maybe Disney, actually. The park where you can go to like a live taping of American Idol, see a couple acts, and while you're there, you vote for which one wins the golden ticket, basically. A ticket to the real audition. That sort of theme, but with AI, would be so cool in the SM Entertainment theme park. You could vote for who could go on a show like this. Just a thought. And the judges could be Espa's digital alter egos. Just brainstorming here. The idols on the show, as of recording time, lips are sealed about, but they're said to be a mix of known and unknown artists. Some former artists who have since chosen careers outside of music. And some are artists who have been out of the spotlight for a while, but want to get back in it. Want a second chance. One more story before a big rapid-fire headline roundup. A British music collective has issued an official denouncement against Korean streaming services. This company, PRS for Music, which has actually been around since 1914, handles copyright issues related to big British stars. They submitted a petition to the Seoul Police Station September 5th. They are demanding that Korean local streaming platforms stop playing British artists' music, the artists that they manage basically the rights for, unless they start paying the appropriate royalties, which they say they have not so far. This hasn't just been an outsider's accusation. Back in October 2021, the Korean Music Copyright Association filed suit against local platforms, saying those streamers were not paying royalties fairly. An investigation was launched, but no charges were ever formalized since it was decided then that the local streaming platforms had not been intentional in their copyright misuse. That earlier ruling that they didn't know any better might come back to bite them now if now they have the cease and desist letter saying, hey, we know you know how to use copyright effectively here and you're still doing this. We'll see if it amounts to anything, though. may just be a settlement. Also interesting timing when we're talking about music ownership. This is kind of an aside, but interesting nevertheless, because Virgin Music and InGrooves are merging. Their label and artist services will grow under one roof, rather than being separate subsidiaries of Virgin Music. The interesting K-pop context is that that means now the promo will be done under the same roof for NCT and Hybe artists and Cube Entertainment artists. Now time for a rapid-fire rundown of the latest K-pop headlines. The latest COVID cases include Chan from TO1, Yudo from Pentagon, Ha Sun Woon, DPR Live, and DPR Ian. Han Jun and Yoon Ho from ATs are the newest DJs for Idol Radio that started September 12th. They plan to add ATs' Pirate Universe, as they said, to the Universe app Story World, so lots of intrigue and theorizing you could do there. Ru Soojun from Lovelies started her own agency called House of Dreams. This was actually undertaken by Artist Rider, which provides IP help, management services, a bunch of different stuff. At the 49th Korean Broadcasting Awards, New Jeans performed, as did Best Singer winners for their time on Music Core, G Idol. Fans got Jungkook to win the Odyssey Artist of the Summer Award. 
My CPOP queen, Joel Nsai, is officially in the new Guinness Book of World Records for the most Golden Melody Awards, basically the Chinese Grammy Awards for Song of the Year. She's won it three times for Marry Me Today, The Great Artist, and Womanly. The Great Artist in particular, The Greatest Song. Big congrats for Loco. He's getting married to someone he was actually friendly with as a kid, but after his military discharge, things took a turn for the romantic the past few years. Isn't this a Hallmark movie? He also confirmed this bride-to-be is the subject of his son Soy Latte. He also said his music promo schedule is unaffected, and he may have a lot of sweet love songs on the way. Really hoping Baekhyun can travel and sing at his wedding. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Lay Seraphim chose their fandom name, Fear Not, which has a cute double meaning since it sounds similar to the Korean word for bloom. Extinary Heroes announced their fans will be called The Villains. Look, in the age of ironic humor, I'll take it. Shaney's Mingho will appear on Netflix's Tadum special. Ive are the honorary ambassadors for the Korean Red Cross's Everyone campaign. Sun Jin from Day 6 is discharged and started a personal Instagram account. And Mix joined the Dear You Bubble app. The new after-school club MC lineup, Aaron from New East, Jamie, and Alan and Taeyeon from Cravity. Meanwhile, Sun Hoon from Enhyphen is stepping back from his role as a music bank MC because his group is on a world tour right now. Sun John from Infinite signed with SPK Entertainment. Jun Sheyun from Daya signed with BH Entertainment. So One from GFriend left IOK Company. Kim Minju from Eyes One signed with Soup to be an actress, the same agency as Suzy. Espa are the new global ambassadors for Choppered. Check out Billboard's website for a limited time only collector's edition of a special Stray Kids themed magazine. The Rose, at long last, have their official light stick, as does Kepler. Blackpink performed on Jimmy Kimmel, September 19th. J-pop icon Lisa finally has a release date for her Netflix documentary, which will be here October 18th worldwide. Call Lisa another great day, so look for that. We'll surely discuss on the show. The mobile game Cookie Run has a new BTS collab, as if we needed even more cute animated versions of the group. Congrats to Honey J, who is pregnant and getting married. Congrats to ATs for a totally different reason, although I guess it is their baby. They are officially million sellers, thanks to the World Episode 1 movement. Also comes at an interesting time because monthly K-pop album sales just top 10 million for the first time ever. Meanwhile, Key's new album, Gasoline, topped iTunes in 23 regions. Taeyeon's long flight has surpassed 26 million streams. Reaching 10 million views, DKB's 24-7. 13 million, Taeyeon and Wanstein's Love Theory. 20 million, Lightsome's Vanilla and ATZ's Gorilla. 50 million, Hyuna's I'm Not Cool. 100 million, Espa's Girls. Reaching 200 million views, ITZY's Loco and BTS's Dynamite, the B-side version. And rapidly changing so that when I record this, by the time the episode is out, it will surely be way too low. Blackpink shut down and NCT 127's two baddies. But I'll keep you posted next time what view count they racked up once it's a little more stable. NCT 127 surpassed their own record. Four album sales in the first week, surpassing 1.2 million. 1.27 million would have been perfect in six days. 
Thai group for Eve definitely wants to watch. Their music video milestones lately include Jackpot reaching a million views, Wes is more reaching 2 million, and Boucha reaching 5 million. G Idol's Tomboy just surpassed 100 million Spotify streams. Lastly, while I still have your attention, your action item slash PSA of the day. First of all, I do want to direct you to where to help victims of Hurricane Fiona, which tore through Puerto Rico. Donations just to FEMA, the Red Cross, etc. Honestly, I would recommend against because it's always way, way, way more guaranteed that your money is actually allocated. Logistically, it can be allocated to where it is most needed if you focus local at grassroots organizations with more targeted purposes. You could try Project Hope, which focuses on medical assistance, Tayer Salud, a mutual aid group that is coordinating responses. Go to T-A-L-L-E-R-S-A-L-U-D dot com for more about that. Another issue I am very worked up about, as you know if you're a longtime listener, is the freedom to read. I just think reading is so beautiful. It opens so many doors. Moral dictating of what should and shouldn't be censored, what views you should and should not hear, what stuff you should and should not write, speak, read. So bizarre to me. So unjust. So if you want to support Banned Books Week and the freedom to read whatever the heck you want, the American Library Association has some great resources about that. Pen America has a great newsletter with links to ways to help and keep track of book bans and ongoing frustration in the USA that I continue to rant about on this show because it's so frustrating. Anything that helps cultivate a love of reading, I'm going to get quite passionate about defending. So you could also check out Freedom to Read and the National Coalition Against Censorship. This was a roller coaster of an episode. Thanks for riding with me. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye, everybody.